Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. Thanks for joining us in this episode. We hope to conclude the letter of Jude today. We've been it for several weeks. We've learned a lot. We've been corrected. We've been built up. We've been encouraged. Well, thank you for joining us. The little letter of Jude, it is the next to last of the books of the New Testament. It's right before the book of the Revelation. So go ahead and turn to that. The little letter of Jude was written by Jude, who was literally the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, Uh, grew up in the home where the Lord Jesus Christ was his older brother, and he was also uh, a brother to James. So this is uh, James and Jude. So now, Jude writes this letter under the inspiration of the Spirit, to encourage believers to stand for Bible truth in a day when that was being challenged all around. And he basically has been describing these false teachers of his day and also describing the false teachers of our day as well. So let's go to the book of Jude and let's just go back to verse 17 that we covered in the last episode, but let's do that quickly to give context to what we're going to hear and read today. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, that is worldly minded, having not the Spirit. So they're not even saved because the Spirit of God does not live in them. But he says in verse 17 that none of this should surprise us because the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, they gave a rima, a, a predictive word about this, a specific word. They, they prophesied that this would be the general progression of the church age. Plenty of false teaching and getting worse and worse toward the end. You want to know how bad it can actually be? Last Sunday, I watched a newscast, and it told how the Methodist church was meeting, I think this week, but pretty soon, and they were going to decide whether or not to separate the Methodist church into two churches or or like two branches of the Methodist church, one which went by the word of God regarding homosexuality and the other which deviates from the word of God and says it's okay to uh, practice homosexuality. In fact, to have um, uh, those who are homosexual, lesbians, so forth, be pastors and all of that in their churches. That's how bad it's gotten because the Bible is very clear about that. Yet here you have a major denomination that is that is arguing and probably going to do that, I'm thinking, but they're arguing about doing that. So there's plenty of false teaching all around. It's not just that, but many other things as well. So 
Let's go to verse 20 in Jude. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Well, let's just stop right there. I'm calling this episode an action plan against apostasy. So Jude, under the inspiration of the Spirit, has been telling us these are what the false teachers are like. These are the kinds of things that they teach. This is how they behave and live. And that's kind of been the theme of Jude up to this point. Well, here in verse 20, we begin to see an action plan against apostasy. How do you stand against that? How do you hold true to the the truth of Scripture? How do you um, uh, stand firm with the words of Christ? Well, we've got an action plan laid out right here. And in verse 20, the first thing is, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Now, this most holy faith that is spoken of here is not, I do not believe that it is just like their faith, like you you believe in Christ, you know, keep on building on that faith and your faith in Christ. I, I, I mean, that certainly could be an aspect, but I think what he's talking about right here is what we saw in verse three of Jude, because he says there, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. That, I believe, is what is referred to also right here. So we are told that part of the action plan is is we are to continually be building up ourselves. It's the idea of building up a house. That's literally the word. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. So the the number one thing in the action plan against apostasy is, is to know and stick to the faith which was once delivered unto the saints that we saw earlier in the little letter of Jude. Well, that's number one. So I'm telling you, if you want to stand firm and you don't want to give in to every wind of false doctrine that blows past you, then you have to ground yourself in the Word of God uh, like a like a foundation of a house and build up yourself in this faith. Now, where is it found? It's found between the pages of Scripture, the covers of the Bible. So if you're going to make it, if you're going to have a strong, successful Christian life and not be deceived by error, you have to be with the Word of God a lot. Now, It would be wonderful if we could all read the Word of God 24 hours a day, but we know that that's not the reality that we have. I believe that every single day you should be reading portions of Scripture. There are numerous Bible reading plans out there, so you don't have to figure one out. 
Hey, read five chapters a day, starting in Genesis all the way to Revelation. You'll read the entire Bible in one year. And there are many other plans. But have a plan to build yourself up on your most holy faith, and it's specifically the faith, the Christian faith, the historic Christian faith that has been agreed to by Christians since the resurrection of Christ. That faith. Not so much talking about your personal faith in what's true, but you you have to know true Christian doctrine. And you're not going to get that by accident. You have to get into the Word of God. Not only go to church and all of that, but but you should be knowing the Word of God yourself. Sometimes people have asked me, why, why is it that I know a lot about Scripture? And I certainly, I probably don't really know very much. But maybe they think compared to them, I do. Whatever. Anyway, that question has come up some. You know what? I, the reason I know what I know is not because what a preacher told me. It's not because of a Bible program I heard on Christian radio. It's not even so much like a, a book I read about theology or anything like that. I would say 99% of the reason that I know the, the little bit that I do know about the Word of God is I have read the Bible personally, probably, I lost count, but I probably read it about 40 times, the entire Bible, and I've read portions of the Bible probably hundreds of times. So the, the point is, this is not just going to happen to you. You have to apply yourself to understanding the Christian faith, and that involves you reading your Bible every day. I'm not talking about a verse a day. You're never going to make it on that. You've got to dive into the Word of God. So that I would say that's number one. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, and here's, I think, the second thing, praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, I want to read you a little quote. This is, this is a great quote. John Calvin wrote this. Such is our sloth, and that means laziness, such is our sloth, and such is the coldness of our flesh, that no one can pray aright except he be roused by the Spirit of God. No one can pray as he ought without having the Spirit as his guide. John Calvin said that. I think that's true. But I want you to think of it this way. Now, some of you may come from a Pentecostal or charismatic background, and when you hear praying in the Holy Ghost, probably you automatically think in terms of praying in tongues or speaking in tongues. I think that what this is alluding back to is the book of Romans where Paul says that the Holy Spirit, he, he prays through us sometimes with groanings which cannot be uttered. That is, there's not even, I, I guess, an audible sound. But let me explain it this way. When you're in the Word of God enough, 
and your your heart is uh, constantly exercised about spiritual things and about truth and what Jesus says about the Bible, about the things of God, I wouldn't be at all surprised if you find yourself praying throughout the day. Now, here's something I want you to get out of your head. Often when we hear the idea of praying throughout the day, we have this Hollywood version of like, we hit our knees on Main Street and fold our hands and bow our head and we pray. Well, that, it, that could be done. Nothing wrong with that. But what I think this actually, the, the way I think this actually works, at least in my life, is as I'm in the Word of God and God reminds me of things throughout the day about what I read that day or spiritual truths that I've been thinking about, I'm led to pray for myself and for others and about problems and needs and issues and concerns and fears and hopes and dreams throughout the day. I think that the more you and I are in the Word of God every day, even though we're going about our daily tasks, maybe as a homemaker, maybe we're a, a building contractor, maybe we work at NASA, maybe we're a soldier in Afghanistan, whatever your work is and your occupation is each day, I believe that if you carve out time every day to be in the Word of God, you will find yourself without saying, I'm going to pray now. You know, if, if your Christian life is still stuck back in the phase where you have a, quote, prayer time, and we should have that, don't misunderstand me. That should be part of your Bible reading each day. But, but what I'm trying to say to you is as you grow in the Lord, you're going to find that you're praying way past your prayer time, your, quote, quiet time, your, quote, devotional time, and you're going to find yourself sitting at a traffic light, you know, while, while traffic goes on around you, waiting for it to change, and, and you're going to be thinking about a verse you read this morning. Maybe you read a whole chapter, but one verse jumps out and it seizes your heart and you're going to find yourself talking with the Father about that verse or maybe about someone who needs to see the truth of that verse. You see what I'm saying? And so I think the praying in the Holy Ghost is where the Holy Spirit begins to so He's God, by the way, fully God, is fully God as the Son and the Father, the triune God, you're going to find that God begins to guide your praying throughout the day. So try it. You'll see what I'm talking about. But ye, beloved, verse 20, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So that's number one and two. Here's a third thing, 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now, this is where it, it really begins to plug into what we're talking about, about an action plan against apostasy. So if we're building ourselves up on, on the true Christian faith, we're praying as the Holy Spirit guides us, we're going to find that we are now, the third thing, 
we, we are keeping ourselves in the love of God. It's, uh, to put, let me put it this way. If you're in the Word every day and you're increasingly praying more and more throughout the day for yourself and others and the kingdom of God, again, I wouldn't be at all surprised if you're finding yourself more and more in the, the experience and sensing that you're in the middle of the love of God and you, you are looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Sometimes, let me tell you how this works with me. Sometimes, my friends, because I've been in the Word and I've, I've thought about things and I've prayed about things as the Spirit guides me throughout the day, and again, it's not, you know, hitting my knees, bowing my head, folding my hands, and just looking kind of like weird, like Hollywood always makes this look. But again, it's just, it's internal. I might be eating lunch somewhere and, and I'm just praying about something while I'm eating. That's what I'm talking about. It becomes like breathing. It's, it's, it's like the Holy Spirit is now breathing your breath where you, you're, you're inhaling Scripture and you're exhaling prayer. And you'll find yourselves, you're guarding yourself, you're keeping yourself in the love of God, the experience of it, the wonder of it. Today at church, I was seated a couple of seats away from uh, a middle-aged man that I've seen in church many times. I don't know, don't know him. It's a large church. Don't know anything about him, but he always seemed troubled. And yet today, when we were having a, a invitation decision time, he asked to get by me to get out in the aisle. And I, th I thought maybe he had to leave and go to work or something early, but he began to make his way, and this is a, a large church, he began to make his way toward, uh, toward where there was spiritual counseling. And I saw him go speak with some of the counselors, and they prayed together for probably three or four minutes. And, and then uh, I guess the concern of his heart was met, and, and they broke up. But, um, but I was praying for him as I saw him heading toward the counselors and while they counseled. Why? Because I, I realized I was, um, in some very small way, I was taking part in the love of God toward this person. And when you begin more and more to sense this and live this way, then you're looking forward to the return of Christ. You're looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. I might be driving down the road and hear a song that's just a secular song, not even a Christian song, and yet the, the words in it remind me so much of my relationship with Christ that tears come to my eyes. And maybe I'm the only person on earth like that. I hope not. <laughs> But I hope that you begin to keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. One day, friends, no matter how difficult your life becomes on this earth or maybe right now, one day, my friends, either your time will be up and the angels will carry you to heaven or, or Jesus Christ is coming back in the rapture of the church and you will be taken alive instantly 
into heaven. And all of the trouble and trials and tribulations of this world will be over and you will be experiencing in real time eternal life. But you know, I think that that gives us hope no matter what life is like today. I was, I was thinking even this week as I went past a furniture store uh, driving past, and I saw these nice displays of wonderful furniture for a wonderful home. And, uh, you know, my wife and I have a certain type of furniture. It's a style called early marriage and a lot of our furniture is still stuff that people gave to us years ago. We didn't buy it. You know, we got these odds and ends that people gave us. Now, now uh, we bought one or two things here and there. But, I mean, the point is, I still have a lot of furniture in my home that two or three families have used. And so driving past the furniture, furniture store, I was thinking, I wonder what it's like to just either have enough money or or go into debt enough, which I don't want to do. But what is it like to walk into a store like that and just say, I want to get all of this for this room. I want to get all of this living room furniture for our living room. I want a you know, new dining room suit and all, all this stuff. What's that like? Well, I don't know because I've never done that. But I'll tell you what, one day, one day, my friends, you can write it down one day, and I don't know when, and if it's soon, it's fine with me. One day I'll leave this world, and I will be given the home that Christ has prepared specifically for me, and I'm pretty sure it will be nicely furnished. Amen. Now, not that I want that. The point I'm making is Jesus is preparing for me and he's expecting me. And one day I won't have the struggles and trials and so forth I have here. It's going to be great for eternity. Amen. So whatever you're going through the day, if you're a Christian, just remember that. If you're not a Christian, you need to get saved today so that you can begin to feel that and experience that as well. Now, but there's more that kind of focuses on us here There's something, you know, as we do these things, building up ourselves in the Christian faith, we're praying in the Holy Spirit, and we are uh, keeping ourselves in the love of God because it'd be easy to get angry with false teachers, right? But don't do that. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ on eternal life. As we do those things, then we come to verse 22. There's some things we're to do outwardly toward people who are being affected by the false teaching. And who knows, maybe even for a false teacher here or there themselves, maybe the Lord would lead us to do something that saves them, leads them to Christ. So look at verse 22. And of some have compassion making a difference. Now this is a a difficult verse to translate in the Greek. It seems to have the idea that uh, because we're filled with the Word of God, we're praying in the Holy Spirit, we're keeping ourselves in the love of God, and we're looking forward to the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ who's going to give us the experience of eternal life in our future, although that life has already started in us the moment we're born again, 
we're going to fully experience it in the future. But we now have compassion. We're not all about ourselves. Now we're about the Lord and his kingdom and others. And of some have compassion, making a difference. Now this little phrase, making a difference, could be translated, who are wavering. So perhaps it means that there are some who are are starting to go wobbly on us. They're waffling. They're wavering. Well, help them out. Bring them back to the truth. Keep them on the right track. It may have the idea um, that that we are to to discern who they are. But I, I think it probably has to do with those who are wavering. And I'm talking about people who are being wrongly influenced in our churches, Bible colleges, seminaries, Sunday school classes, maybe even in our homes, who are being wrongly influenced by false teaching. Maybe they're beginning to go down the path of Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormonism or some crazy messed up theology in a mainline Christian church, which it's everywhere now. You know, for example, I gave uh, early in this series, I gave the example on the way to church one Sunday morning, there was a church service on radio and I, I couldn't believe it. First of all, it was a woman, woman preacher in a church. Now, I don't even want to get into all of that, but in my book, Going by the Bible, there isn't anywhere in the Bible where that occurs. But anyway, this woman is leading church and she prays this prayer and it's like a formulaic prayer of her denomination. And at the end, she prays in the name of God, the mother of us all. Now that ain't nowhere in the Bible. That is feminism and in fact, it is paganism. And yet I'm sure that she thinks and everybody in that church and denomination thinks, oh yeah, that's a Bible. It's not. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, but it's, it's everywhere. Anyway, we are, we are to have compassion and help those who need it. John Wesley, the founder of what became the Methodist Church, wrote this, meantime, watch over others as well as yourselves and give them such help as their various needs require. So it's not all about you. I know that's a shocker, but it's true. It's not all about you because you are grounded in the true Christian faith, and you're growing, you're praying in the Holy Spirit, and and you are, um, you know, you're keeping yourselves in the experience of the love of God, look for the mercy of of our Lord Jesus Christ and eternal life when either you die first or he comes to get you. Because of all that, now you're going to find yourself, and this is the fourth thing, having compassion on others, especially young believers, or they could even be old believers, but believers who are being led astray by false teachers. Maybe it's even a false teacher who's been led astray and you can rescue him and save a lot of other people a lot of grief so that he doesn't lead others astray in the future. Anyway, you're to have an influence for Christ for what is true. So he says, and if some have compassion making a difference, verse 23, and others save with fear pulling them out of the fire. 
again, going back to John Wesley, his mother, Susanna Wesley, told little John when he was a child, she told him this after there was a house fire and he was rescued and nearly died in that house fire. She told him, John, you are as a branch pulled from the burning. And that's a a quote of an Old Testament uh, verse in the Old Testament, one of the prophets. And so impressed on John Wesley at a very early age was that God had shown him mercy, pulling him out of the fire. What Jude says here, and others save with fear. That is, it's so bad and it's so risky that you are very careful about how you do this, lest you begin to be influenced by the same false teachers and false teaching, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. I mean, they are almost burned up, and through your ministry and witness, you save them out of the fire, just as little John Wesley as a boy was saved from that house fire. Well, that's part of what we're to do. And it says further in verse 23, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh, now, the, I was trying to think, what's a good example of that? All right, I, I've, I've got one that just about every adult can identify with if you're a parent, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. One of your children has a dirty diaper, and you, my friend, are going to change that diaper. You get the picture? Hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. So you're very like, you know, holding it away from you, dropping it in the trash can, whatever. Very careful about that. We are to to help others and rescue them if possible from the false teachers and their false teaching. And we are to carefully choose our opponents and choose our battles. If you're a brand new Christian, I would not put you up against somebody like a Christopher Hitchens. The, uh, the atheist philosopher, I, I believe he's passed away now. I think I'm right on that. Um, you know, I mean, that, that wouldn't be a fair fight. Even though the Lord would use you, you would come out of that bloody and bleeding, I'm pretty sure. So you see what I'm saying? So maybe, maybe on that, you, you tag team with a more experienced Christian that the Lord has used in dealing, let's say, with an atheist. You follow what I'm saying? Um, you know, if the Lord tells you, go for it, go for it, like David and Goliath, far be it from me to hold you back. But I'm just saying that I believe in many times the Lord will guide you as to when you are to speak and when it would be better to let another Christian speak and deal with something. Does that make sense? So, you know, at all times, follow what the Lord is telling you to do in that moment. But I think it it probably is good counsel to say to you, you know, carefully choose under the leadership of the Lord who your opponents might be. And I'm talking about not people being influenced by them, but by the false teachers themselves and choose your battles. Let me let me put it a different way. Um there may be something that I could try to answer from a, a false teacher, but I might need to call on Ravi Zacharias, if you know who that is. 
or a Josh McDowell, and I don't know them personally, but I'm saying maybe get their book and uh, one of their books and give it to that person or one of their CDs or their radio program or whatever. You, you see what I'm saying? So uh, it doesn't mean that if there's a false teacher that you are the only one in the world who's supposed to go confront them because uh, God may not be calling you to do that with that specific false teacher. How could I predict that anyway? You have to you have to ask the Lord to guide you. And that goes back to being built up in the true Christian faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, and and just having that uh that experience of God's love and just knowing when you're up to bat. You, you follow what I'm saying? I've heard debates and so forth before around people and sometimes I've stepped in because I knew I was being called to step in. Other times I've thought, you know, uh, that particular debate with that person right now at this very moment, I don't feel like I need to step in the batter's box on that. Maybe God was calling somebody else to be the one for that need in that moment. So we see an action plan against apostasy. But now we come to something that just builds us up, blesses us, and reinforces us right here. It is a what is called a doxology. It's a uh, something that that exalts the glory of God here and makes us feel pretty good to be in his family and on his team because he's an awesome God, friends. Look at verse 24 and 25. Now, unto him, and in the Greek, it's the, idea, it's the idea of now unto the one. And by the way, there is only one, <laughs> the one, is God himself. Now unto him that is able, that is the Greek word dunamai, it's, he has an enabling, empowering ability to get it done. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Well, Pastor Ed, what if I do, what if I do feel called by God to try to rescue someone or confront a false teacher? What if I fall? Listen, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. It's not about can I keep myself? I can't. And you can't keep yourself either. But we have the Wonderful assurance now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Oh, friends, what a blessing that is. You see, think of it this way. Let's say you were going to climb a mountain, and it's your first mountain. Guess what's going to happen? Well, you better have a guide, right? So you have a guide who knows the way, shows the way, and goes the way, as John Maxwell says. Well, that guide, that experienced mountain climber, if you're brand new, you know what he's going to do? He's going to clip you to himself. So there's just no possibility that you're going to go wandering off and die on that mountain. So now unto him that is able to keep you from falling 
and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. I don't know that joy. I don't know if it's the, I'm sure it probably is somewhat the joy we feel at being in the Lord's presence finally. But is it also the joy He has over what He has accomplished in us? Probably both. That's what I'm guessing. Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. I want to show you something. You see the two phrases, dominion and power? Dominion is ecousia, it is authority. He has complete, total authority. He doesn't have to check in with anybody about taking care of you. He doesn't even care what the Democrats think. <laughs> oh man, think about, think about what I just said. He's completely God. So he has dominion, authority, and power. That's the Greek word kratos. And it is a power that is demonstrated. He is able to demonstrate his power to take care of you. And he can do that right now, and he's obviously going to do that forever. You know, as, as we think about standing against false teaching and dealing with false teachers, it would be easy to be intimidated and frightened, but not when we remember who we are and whose we are. We belong to him, amen? He is able to keep us from falling. He is able to get the job done. We're gonna end up in heaven in his presence, exalting in the salvation that he has purchased. And to him alone be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Friends, I hope you've enjoyed being with us in this episode, and maybe you've been with us for the entire episode of Deep Church, and you entered it wondering how you could ever make a difference, and now by the end you're realizing it's Him that's going to make a difference through you. And maybe as a believer, you are built up, you are encouraged, you are strengthened, Maybe as a listener today who's not yet a believer in Jesus Christ, you are saying right now, I want to change teams. I want off the team of the world and the devil and the flesh. I want to get on King Jesus's team. I want to get in his army. I want to show up in heaven when all the dust settles because I'm trusting Jesus Christ today as my Savior and Lord, that he paid the price for my sins on the cross. He died, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day, victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave. And right this moment, I confess my sin, and I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. I'm joining the army of Jesus. I hope that's your prayer today, if you're not yet a Christian when you came to this podcast. 
If you need spiritual counseling, you need questions answered, please call 888-537-8720. One more time, 888-537-8720. Call during normal business hours, Eastern Time in the United States, and someone will discuss with you your need for Christ or that you've just become a Christian and give you information that will help you grow in your Christian faith. I would like to hear about a decision you might have made for Christ. You can email me at pastoredhill at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening today. We're on many places where podcasts can be heard, but Tell friends, neighbors, family members, church members, enemies, false teachers, I don't care. Tell everybody that they can also listen at www.dredhill.podbean.com. That's D-R, no period after that, D-R-E-D-H-I-L-L at podbean.com. We post a new episode just about every week. I'll be praying and thinking about what our next series will be. And I hope you will be part of that. Go ahead and subscribe or follow this podcast. And when the next podcast is posted, you'll get a notice about that. Well, thanks again for listening today. I hope this has been a blessing to you. And God bless you is my prayer this week. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.